0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.
1: Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, January 23rd. San Diegans are struggling to pay their utility bills. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. A Camp Pendleton Marine and two other active-duty Marines were arrested last week on misdemeanor charges for taking part in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Michael Coomer is stationed at Camp Pendleton, Joshua Abate is stationed at Fort Meade in Maryland, and Dodge Dale Hellenin is stationed at North Carolina's Camp Lejeune. Authorities say the men spent about 52 minutes inside the Capitol on January 6, 2021. Their fellow Marines helped investigators identify them in footage. The three men faced charges, including illegal entry and disorderly conduct. County health officials are urging San Diegans to get a bivalent COVID-19 booster. So far, more than 540,000 people in San Diego County have gotten the booster. The CDC recommends a bivalent booster for everyone six months and older. COVID-19 vaccines, including bivalent boosters and flu vaccines, are available at county vaccination sites, pharmacies, and local medical providers. Meanwhile, the number of reported COVID and flu cases have declined over the last couple of weeks. It's officially tax filing season. The IRS is now accepting 2022 federal income tax returns as of today. The deadline to file your tax returns and pay any remaining federal income taxes owed for last year was originally April 18th, but San Diego County qualifies for a tax relief extension because of recent storms in California. The IRS is offering relief to any area declared a disaster area by FEMA. Now you have until May 15th to file your returns. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS
0: On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: SDG&E customers are opening surprisingly high utility bills this month. Natural gas rates are more than double what they were a year ago and electricity costs are up too. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says there is plenty of financial pain to go around.
2: Michelle Bales has lived just east of downtown San Diego in the same South Park apartment for nearly 20 years.
3: It's cozy. It's warm. I really like it. It's close to work as well, which is a huge plus.
2: But her 650 square foot home has been anything but warm recently as Bales braces for a big San Diego gas and electric bill. She's already changing her daily routines.
4: I try not to use the gas heater. Um, I obviously have to cook. I try not to turn on all the lights. Sometimes I'll sit here at night with candles and just the TV just to not rack up the fees.
2: Bales spent half of the past month house-sitting elsewhere and her January bill still topped $100. She only paid about $60 in November. Bales is able to make on-time payments, but many San Diego Gas and Electric customers are not.
3: We have about 3.7 million customers. uh, Of that, approximately 341,000, or 25%, uh, are uh, at some level behind on their bill.
2: San Diego Gas and Electric's Anthony Wagner says delinquencies are counted as people who are at least 30 days behind in their bills. Most are more than 60 days late it's a surprisingly large number.
3: Five years ago, the numbers are more like 10-15% that were behind.
2: Mark Wolf is the director of the National Energy Assistance Directors Association.
3: 25% clearly suggests that the cost of home energy is becoming unaffordable for many families. And the programs we have in place are not sufficient to help them pay these bills.
2: In fact, about a third of San Diego Gas and Electric customers are already enrolled in a rate assistance program. The two biggest are the California Alternative Rates for Energy and the Family Electric Rate Assistance Program. Both offer rate reductions based on family income. But San Diego Gas and Electric still has about $200 million in delinquent customer debt.
3: And the dilemma here is that utilities go to the front of the line because they can shut you off for power, lose access to internet, access to air conditioning or heating. And so it places a very significant burden on families where when prices go up for food, you can substitute, you know, one item for another. You can stretch your food budget out. There are things you can do, we have more control over it.
2: Power shutoffs haven't happened in SDGNE's service area since March of twenty twenty, but the statewide COVID prohibition on disconnections expired in twenty twenty one. SDG&E hasn't cut off power for overdue bills since twenty twenty, but company spokesman Anthony Wagner says that will likely change this year. He says the utility needs to start collecting that $200 million from customers with past due bills. He's also quick to say that customers who are struggling have
3: options. As long as you're in communication with us and you have a strategy uh, with the utility on how to pay off your arrears, you're not going to get yourself disconnected. But you have to be in communication with us.
2: Wagner says the astronomically high gas bill should begin falling next month. When temperatures climb, demand fades, and gas rates are reset. And that's welcome news for Krasna Svoboda. She lives in an Oceanside apartment, and the high bills have her making tough budgetary choices.
1: I'm on a fixed income, so there isn't going to be any more money than there is, and I need to budget it every month. So things that vary from month to month significantly uh, impact me more.
2: Even customers who are not struggling financially may end up feeling the fiscal pain. If San Diego Gas and Electric can't collect an outstanding debt, the utility will roll that debt into electricity and natural gas rates. That raises utility prices and keeps pressure on customers who are already struggling. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: Homelessness has been dropping among veterans in San Diego County. But Supervisor Nathan Fletcher wants a regional strategy to end it completely. KPBS reporter Melissa May tells us more.
4: The Regional Task Force on Homelessness says there are now 700 homeless veterans in the county, and about half of them are staying in temporary shelters. Fletcher says getting all those vets off the street will involve using federal resources and local commitments.
0: What we have to do now is partner with the VA. We got to step in and identify where are gaps, what are additional things we can do? Where can we step up and help? How can we bridge that connection between that veteran who's struggling and that help that is available to them? And that's what we're gonna do.
4: He says next month, he'll introduce a policy to create a county task force to figure out the resources needed to end veteran homelessness. And he wants a plan in place in three months. Melissa May, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, a local author talks about her new novel about the pressures of being a teen. We'll have that and more just after the break. California's new organic waste recycling law will apply to school campuses when enforcement begins next year. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more on one school district's effort to start composting now. Chula Vista Elementary School District is home to 37 campus gardens
3: across the South Bay, maintained by students, parents, and teachers who volunteer their time. The garden sites are fertile ground for students to learn about climate change and the new state organic waste law requiring composting and conservation. Michelle Posada is a parent and coordinator of the Half Acre Garden at Finney Elementary in Chula Vista.
4: If we can teach the students about composting organic waste from the cafeteria and then reusing it in the garden to grow new things and then reducing what we're sending over to the landfills, we can make a, a big impact.
3: The Chula Vista Elementary District already has an aggressive wellness policy promoting movement and exercise for all students and it eliminates almost all junk food and candy from campuses. M.G. Perez, KPBS News.
1: In other environmental news, the San Diego environmental group Wild Coast will soon string a permanent trash net across part of the Tijuana River to catch plastic waste. KPBS SciTech reporter Thomas Fudge says this will be the second one they've done.
3: The hills of Tijuana are home to many neighborhoods with unpermitted homes. A lot of them don't have trash collection service. Visit the Tijuana River Estuary at any time and you'll see piles of trash swept off the streets of Tijuana by the rain. Faye Crevage with Wild Coast. She says her group is already capturing trash in one Tijuana River tributary. In over two years, they've stopped 133,000 pounds of trash from reaching the ocean, most of it plastic and tires.
0: We sort it, we weigh it, so
1: now we're creating real data, and we're trying to reuse as much as possible and recycle the rest.
3: This year, Wild Coast has raised money to build another trash boom, as they're called, on the U.S. side of the border to catch trash in another tributary. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News.
1: San Diego author Tracy Badua's new young adult novel, This Is Not a Personal Statement, is now on bookshelves. It follows 16-year-old Perla Perez, the youngest graduating senior in her class, and a well-known overachiever. But when she is rejected by the college of her dreams, her whole world is thrown into disarray, and she forges an acceptance letter in a panic. This is Padua's second book, and she's soon releasing a third. She's also a practicing attorney and a mom. She joined KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman to talk about the book and writing.
0: So could we start by having you read an excerpt of the moment Perla finds out she's been rejected from her dream university?
4: Absolutely. There it is. The Delmont seal in all its glory at the top. Then, dear Miss Perez, we regret to inform you that. No, 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 no. We are unable to offer a place in our first year class at this time. The oxygen disappears from the room. I feel like I've been flung into space, breathless, unanchored. That can't be what it says, because I'm supposed to get accepted into Delmont. I get in. That's what's written in Blotchy Blue Ink and Pearlie's academic plan. Delmont is the next big stepping stone in my heavily mapped out future. I get in. This damn letter is telling me otherwise. Wow.
0: I mean, so what inspired you to write a story about college admissions and overachievement?
4: A few years ago, I was reading an article about somebody who was pretending to be a student at an elite university, and I remember reading through it, and my first thought was, wow, I really understand why they did that. And then I paused and thought, hey, that shouldn't be my first reaction. The fact that I commiserated and completely understood why somebody would feel the pressure to pretend that they are a student rather than come clean and you know let everyone know that they didn't get in after all, that really required me to do some internal digging to figure out why that was my first reaction.
0: You know, let's talk about that some more. I mean, in the story, Perla contends with expectations from her immigrant parents, from her community, um, her high school classmates even nickname her perfect Perly Perez, and Uh, So she decides to forge an acceptance letter, which begins a lie about getting into her dream school. And uh, like you said, you can understand why someone might do this and and talk a bit more about why that is.
4: Well, you touched on it. So even her fellow students nicknamed her perfect pearly, like you said, she went to an academically competitive school where everyone was hyper intelligent and driven. And I kind of grew up in a similar environment. So I wanted in the book to make sure that I emphasize that this was more of a you know, larger societal thing. It wasn't just her parents placed pressure on her or she internally felt the drive to succeed. Everywhere she turned, there was somebody telling her, you have to be better. You have to be the best. I mean, why did
0: you want to write about those outside pressures and how it can affect teens like Perla?
4: I was chatting with somebody the other day about how the college that I went to, even the high school I went to, I don't know if I'd get in now. I feel like teens these days are under such pressure to be everything all the time, to do all of the extracurriculars, to get all of the perfect scores. And there is just this huge weight that is on their shoulders to succeed and be the best versions that they can be, but they're still growing up. So that's something that I wanted to explore of what are we doing to teens with the kind of pressure that we're putting on them like this?
0: You know, in addition to being a published author, you're a practicing attorney and a mom of young children by most standards, a very high achieving person. Did you draw from personal experiences in writing this book?
4: I did in terms of, like I said, the kind of history of that academically competitive high school that she went to, the drive to be the best. This is obviously a much more extreme version of that. I can assure you that I graduated from the schools <laughs> that, I, that I have on my resume. But I wrote it really to dig into the relationship between also Perla and her parents of what it's like to have that pressure to do well and it's not so much of an exploration of you know my relationship with my own parents because they were you know fantastic and they support me at every step but i also wanted to make sure that i don't turn this self driven, competitive nature that I have, and then turn it on to my kids. So this is me getting it all out of my system before they grow old enough to mess them up like that.
0: <laughs> well, right. And and I wonder if as an adult, what wisdom you might have to share with your younger self about achievement and success and, and family obligations?
4: If I were to talk to my younger self, I think I would remind myself to cut myself some slack. It's okay to be upset about things that don't turn out the way you want them to. You don't have to overdo it the next time or, or work even harder. Sometimes things just don't work out, and that's okay. A rejection is just a rejection from one thing and not everything. Perla's
0: pursuit of perfection could resonate with a lot of high school students stressing over college admissions. What do you hope readers will take away from this book?
4: I really hope that they take away that same message of, you know, cutting yourself some slack, the one that I would have liked to tell my teenage me, because even if you end up on a trajectory you didn't see for yourself initially, that's fine. You get to decide what success looks like for you. You don't have to abide by, I have to go to this school, this grad school, this career it changes and it's okay for it to change. And it's okay for you to pursue one path and then go back to another later. So there will always be a path forward, even if it's a little bit windier than you had initially imagined.
1: That was San Diego author Tracy Badua speaking with KPBS's Jade Heidman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Monday.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.